Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you, are you? Coming to the tree with a strong upper man, the same murder three. Strange things did happen here, no stranger would it be if we met at midnight in the hanging tree. Welcome to Strange Things, broadcasting from the Arkanasa Radio Studios in Laredo, Texas. And welcome to the show. I'm Chris James, your host. Today is February 17th, 2018. We will be talking about Indian legends. But first, it's time to make plans to attend a few conferences. Rated as the number three UFO conference in the entire world, the Out of This World UFO Conference is coming up soon. April 14th, 2018, in Edinburgh, Texas. Travis Walton will be there. He was abducted by aliens back in 1975. He will be speaking at the conference. Nick Pope is coming to Texas as well. Nick used to work at the Ministry of Defense on what was called the UFO desk. Stephen Bassett will be there. He's currently working on the Government Disclosure Project, trying to get the folks in Washington to come clean on UFOs. John Greenwald has been looking into UFOs since before he had a driver's license. He runs the Black Vault, a must-see site if you have any interests in flying saucers. Don't miss out. The Out of This World UFO Conference is coming up quick. Make plans to attend April 14th, 2018 in Edinburgh, Texas. You can look it up at roswellbooks.com. On April 21st, 2018 is the Southeast Texas Bigfoot Conference in Huntsville, Texas. Lyle Blackburn, Nick Redfern, Jeff Crypto Hulk Stewart, Ken Gerhard, and M.K. Davis will all be speaking at the conference. Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay from Finding Bigfoot will also be there. 
but now is your chance to meet the people you've been watching on TV. If you have any questions, you can check it out at facebook.com backslash Southeast Texas Bigfoot. But don't delay. The conference might be sold out if you wait too long. We already have our tickets to both events. Last year, the Texas Bigfoot Conference in Jefferson was sold out weeks before the event. Those who waited to buy their tickets were out of luck. The room was packed, but it was well worth it. My sister-in-law was full-blooded Ho-Chunk Indian. Ho-Chunk means people of the great voice. I had said a Native American one time, and she corrected me and said Indian. So that's what I will call them. After all, she was the expert. My nephew John says Indian feather, not dot. The feather are from this side of the ocean. The dot Indians are from India. The Indians have some legends that we should all pray are either not real or have died off over the years. Otherwise, we might be in big trouble. Here are a few of the rather scary legends I found digging through the internet, old texts, and a few books I own. The ice giants have a nasty disposition. They live up around the Great Lakes and places where it snows a lot. They are described as being huge. The more they eat, the taller they grow. Sometimes they can reach as tall as the tallest tree. The ice giants are also called Wendigo by some tribes or Chinu by others. The Penobscot tribe call it the Kiwakakwa which translate as walks about the woods. In Maine, they call them the white walkers. All of these tribes that live from one coast to the other have a legend about a huge creature that lives in the woods and eats people. Sometimes the creature starts out life as a normal person. At some point, they either receive a vision or they are taken over by an evil spirit. This leads to their developing an uncontrollable hunger for human flesh. This hunger takes away any wish to eat normal food, even when there is plenty to be had. Only their fellow man will satisfy this hunger. This curse can also come from a witch that has put a spell on a person. Even as they're consuming someone, their hunger grows. They've even gone as far as to eat their own lips, trying to sate their hunger. Their skin is dry and wrinkled to a point of looking almost like tree bark. Their bodies are thin and look as if they're starving to death. They grow as tall as trees after eating their prey, but they shrink back down to normal height if they don't eat more. Some are described as having antlers like a deer or horns like a bull. An ice giant can pass on their curse to others by mesmerizing them or by entering their minds in a dream. 
the first Wendigo was supposed to have been a warrior. When his tribe went up against a superior force, he made a deal with evil spirits to gain enormous strength. His plan was to destroy the opposition. The two tribes became tired of the constant battle, and they decided to make peace. This led to a problem. What to do with this warrior? He was banished from his tribe and forced to go away and live in the woods by himself. As time passed, he began to hate everyone and went about trying to destroy the human race. He sneaks about during the winter months looking for some unsuspecting victim to use for his own nasty purposes. Even though the warrior died years ago, his spirit lives on, fueled by his hatred of everyone on the planet. One story is told of a man who lived in the woods with his wife and children. They had put in enough food to take them through the winter without any problems. During the snowy months, the man became possessed by the spirit of the ice giant this was either through a dream or while he was out hunting. When the spring thaw came, the man wandered into town. He looked in bad shape, and he began to attack people, trying to eat them. The man was locked in a hut, and eventually they had to kill him to protect themselves. His body was taken far from the village and buried. Stones and logs were piled on top of it, to hold his spirit in place. A search party was sent out to his cabin. They found the remains of the family. All had been killed and eaten by the man, even though there was plenty of food in the cabin. At some point during the winter, the man had been possessed by the spirit of a wendigo or an ice giant. He then killed and ate his entire family. When there was nobody left in the cabin to consume, he went into town looking for more human flesh. This condition has become common enough that it has gained its own medical name. It's called the Wendigo Psychosis, and if you do a little digging, you'll find plenty of reports in the news about it. One legend says the only way to kill an ice giant is to remove the chunk of ice that is contained in the creature's chest. The ice has to be removed and melted. The body must be buried, and the area where it is placed is considered to be cursed. No one is to go near it from then on. Should you be foolish enough to venture near the cursed land, you run the risk of becoming possessed and becoming a cannibal yourself. The Anishinaabe Indians have the same monster, only the man it was created from is still alive inside his body. The body of the man is right about where the heart should be. In order to kill this monster, you have to kill the man inside him. With that, we're going to take a brief pause and play a couple of commercials. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Arkanasa Radio. 
Do you have skin? Would you like to take better care of it? Call Lourdes James, independent beauty consultant, and set up an appointment. Call 723-3019. Coffee, nectar of the gods. And at the Organic Man Coffee Trike, you'll find coffee made the right way. One delicious cup at a time. Stop on by 4501 McPherson, Suite Number 9. And remember, life is too short to drink bad coffee. If your vision isn't what it used to be, and you're not sure you're seeing Bigfoot or just your neighbor mowing his lawn, Stop on by Del Norte Optical, 107 Calle Del Norte, just across the street from the Embassy Suites. You should be able to see what you're looking at. This is Arcanasa Radio you've been listening to. <clears throat> And welcome back to the show. Getting back to the Wendigos, or the Ice Giants. These creatures have a scream that is so loud and powerful, it will kill anyone unlucky enough to hear it. The farther north you go, the more of these stories you'll find. In the summer months, when it's too warm for the snow, the Ice Giants roll in the mud. It collects a covering of leaves and sticks so that it can move about the woods without being too visible. This would make the beast look kind of like a Sasquatch, more so than an ice giant. This also allows the creature to move about in the woods without being seen or affected by the heat. The names are pretty much interchangeable. Ice Giant, Wendigo, White Walker, Chinu. They're almost the same monster, but given different names by the tribes that have seen them. Kind of like a puma, a panther, a catamount, or a mountain lion. It's the same beast, but by different names. The ice giant or wendigo is a cannibalistic monster that will either hunt down people, or it will possess a person and then go about killing and eating folks. There are a few differences, but the main parts are the same. A few books and articles I've seen Wendigo listed as being Bigfoot or Sasquatch. There's hardly any similarity between these two creatures. A Bigfoot is usually content to go about their business, and as long as you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. Wendigo will hunt you, kill you, and make a meal from you. Here is a bizarre monster that would make anyone run for their lives. The flying heads were cannibalistic monsters or spirits talked about by the Iroquois and Wyandot Indians. These creatures were also called the big heads. A Mohawk, going by the name Captain Gill, told the Europeans how the flying heads caused the Indians living in the New York area to abandon their homes and move to the Adirondack Mountains. 
The flying heads were cannibals that would swoop down on unsuspecting people and try to eat them. The origins of this monster came out of a dispute during a famine. It was the dead of winter. The crops that summer had failed and the tribe had little in way of provisions. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All the animals the tribe depended on had moved away, making hunting impossible. The young men of the tribe wanted to move west and find a better place to live, but the elders all said no. This was their land, and they should stay. The famine was supposed to be the result of some unknown crime, and the tribe had committed. The elders said they had to stay and suffer the results of their wrongdoings. The young men of the tribe all said this would cause the entire tribe to starve to death. They came together, and they killed all of the elders. After the deed was done, the young men tried to appease the gods by sacrificing the bodies. The heads were chopped off and thrown into the lake. Suddenly, a huge head with wings like a bat came flying out of the water, and it began to attack the young men. It then began to attack the other tribes living in the area. This led to all the tribes abandoning the area and moving to the mountains. The head was tall, as tall as a grown man standing upright, and it had huge wings that it would fly about with. As the flying head was moving about terrorizing folks, it spotted a woman who was roasting nuts over a campfire. The head swooped in and it tried to eat her, but it wound up swallowing a hot coal instead. This is supposed to have caused the head to move away and stop attacking the locals. Here in Laredo, we have the Lechuza, Owl Woman, is well-known creature that lurks in the shadows and she decides if she wishes to kill you or not. I know a few people that have seen her and are happy to still be alive. In the Yakima tribe, they also have the owl women. Only the Yakima live all the way up in the Washington state. Their owl women live in caves during the day and they fly about at night looking for dinner. Dinner being anyone unlucky enough to be caught out at night. They especially like children because they taste better than adults. The owl women are taller than humans. They eat just about anything nasty you can imagine. Frogs, lizards, snakes. The women can speak the languages of anyone around them, and they use this to lure people away at night. The lechuza can mimic the sound of a baby or a young child crying so it can lead people away from their homes and kill them.
There's no mention of any form of protection from the Owl Woman. The only thing you can do to stay out of the woods at night. To keep the Lechuza away, you can form a circle with salt around your home, and this is said to keep her away. The Navajo tell about a nasty thing called a skinwalker. This is a cross between a witch and a werewolf. There's no relation between the Navajo witch and the European witches. No pointy hats and no brooms to fly on. No, the skinwalker is an outcast that lives out in the desolate parts of the country. Members of the tribe that wish to become medicine men or women study the rituals and the ways of helping out the tribe. They work as an apprentice under a healer and eventually gain the knowledge needed to help out the tribe. These folks are powerful, but their purpose is to benefit others. Then there are those who decide they want to use their powers for themselves. They move from being medicine men or women by killing a member of their immediate family. Just about all skinwalkers are men, but a few women have made the change as well. These are supposed to be women that have never had any children. Once they have moved from the light to the darkness, they can take on the appearances of an animal. They use this form to move about quickly or to elude capture. Some witches have been accused of cannibalism and desecrating the dead. In the Navajo, the medicine man or medicine woman are not supposed to have any contact with dead bodies. With the skinwalkers, it's far to the other side. They have a lot of contact with dead bodies, including eating them and other nasty things. The skinwalkers will kill anyone if it might benefit them in their quest for power. They will cast spells on people, causing sickness or death. Some spells will cause animals to die or run away. It is taboo for Navajo to wear any kind of pelts. They will only use deerskin or sheepskin during ceremonies. Members of the tribe won't even talk about a skinwalker, so as to not draw any attention to themselves. A coyote, or any kind of animal that acts in a peculiar way, say it runs around close to the villagers, or it isn't afraid of humans, is considered to possibly be a skinwalker. If the animal's eyes don't reflect light, this is a sure sign of it being a witch in disguise. When in human form, the eyes will reflect the light. It is a very bad idea to make eye contact with a skinwalker. They might hypnotize you, and then you're stuck as their hapless slave. A skinwalker can take on the appearance of just about anyone, so they can enter the town without being recognized. Anyone who is crazy enough to claim to be a skinwalker is running the risk of being killed by the tribe. It is considered the duty of the men of the tribe to hunt down and kill anyone that has become a skinwalker or a witch. 
don't bother asking any Navajo about skinwalkers. To begin with, the name is a made-up version of the Indian name. The Navajo word translates as someone who goes about on all fours. The Navajo won't talk about witches either, believing just talking about them might bring them to you. Some say the witches can read your thoughts, which makes even thinking about them dangerous. Most of the stories we have are from the few folks willing to talk about witches without actually mentioning them by name. A bunch of kids were staying on the grandparents' ranch back several years ago. The kids were out being kids and sitting around the campfire and telling scary stories while the adults all stayed inside and did adult things. As it got darker, someone dared someone else to go for a walk through the brush. They were all cousins, and they went out to see who was the bravest in the bunch. Ranging from 10 to 15, they huddled together as they tried to act as if they were not afraid of the darkness around them. They'd gone a ways into the tree line, and nothing had attacked them. No one had died of fright. It was time to turn back. They all began to retrace their steps back to the fire, which was barely visible in the distance. Right in the middle of the path, as if waiting for them, was a weird half-dog, half-man. It was hunched over, its hands just inches from the ground. That's hands, not paws. The eyes glowed bright white without any pupils. The kids were all frozen in fear. This thing looked as if it could kill all of them without working up a sweat. No one said or did anything. They could barely breathe. The creature suddenly turned to the side and dashed away into the darkness. This was all it took. Screaming and crying, the cousins all took off running for the safety of their grandparents' house. It was very dark, but adrenaline, combined with a lot of good fortune, let the kids make the mad dash through the brush without losing anyone. The folks in the house heard the commotion as these terrified youngsters came scrambling in from the trees and into the house. Well, the kids tried to give their version of what they had seen, and of course the fathers and mothers all thought the kids had just been afraid of the dark. The next morning, they found that the grandmother's dogs had been killed by something. That was when the name Skinwalker was mentioned. The grandmother thought she was being targeted by some evil witch living out in the brush. On a separate occasion, a rancher had all of his sheep killed. The sheep were safely inside their pen for the night. The next morning, the rancher and his son went to check on things, and they found all of the sheep were dead. The gate was still locked, and there were no wolves or coyote tracks anywhere near the pen. The sheep were killed by something that didn't eat any of the flesh. The rancher began to suspect he was the target of a skinwalker attack. He never said the name, 
but he did say it was a witch that was persecuting him and his family. <clears throat> Should you find yourself at the wrong end of a skinwalker, you do have a few options. First off, you need to get a hold of a medicine man or woman willing to take on the evil witch. They will have to cast a spell causing the witch's magic to work against the witch. <clears throat> Any attack on you will wind up returning to the witch. The cost might be prohibitive, since the medicine man or woman will be attempting to take on something that could easily kill them instead. You could try shooting a skinwalker. First, you need to dust your bullets with white ash from a fire. Then you have to shoot the witch while it is in its animal form. You have to hit it in the neck, so you will actually be shooting the witch in the head. They say silver bullets will work, but silver makes inaccurate firepower. A silver cools at an inconsistent rate, causing the bullets to be lopsided, and you won't be able to shoot very far. You can check out the Mythbusters on making silver bullets. If you did manage to kill a witch, you now had to contend with a ghost witch. The evil from the dead witch might return to do more nastiness. If you sleep near where a witch has been buried, it can slip from its body and kill you. It will do this by inhabiting your body and forcing you to do harm. The ghost will then go about eating its victim, working its way into the chest in order to consume the heart. Since the witch is already dead, there's not much you can do to the ghost. If you burn the body, you're going to release the spirit, which can then move about the countryside. About the only defense against a ghost witch is to stay away from the place where the body has been left. And once again, it's time to take a break and drink some coffee, so I'll be right back after these important messages. You're listening to Arcanasa Radio. Are you taking care of your skin, or are you going to wait and see how time treats you? Take care today by contacting Lourdes James, Independent Beauty Consultant at 956-723-3019. Don't let time get the best of you. Coffee makes the world go round. And around here, we have the Organic Man Coffee Trike, 4501 McPherson, Suite Number 9. If you're not looking for coffee, try their tea. It's the best in town. And remember, life is too short to drink bad coffee. If you need to squint and hold things out at arm's length to see them, maybe you should get your eyes checked. Del Norte Optical, 107 Calle Del Norte, is right across from the Embassy Suites. Stop squinting and start seeing. 
The following is an excerpt from the Laredo Paranormal Research Society. We don't all see the light. As reported by a second registered nurse. An old woman was approaching the end of her life. She was hospitalized and there was little anyone could do for her. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The nurses did their best to see to it. She was as comfortable in her last days, checking on her more often than required. The nurse asked, how are you doing tonight? Don't leave me. I don't want to die. Tell that person behind you to go away. I'm not ready. Looking over her shoulder, the nurse could see there was no one there. Don't let him near me. Keep him out of my room. What does he look like? He's covered with hair and his eyes are glowing red. Unable to spend the entire shift with just one patient, the nurse had to continue her shift. At long last, her evening was done, and she passed the floor on to the next nurse. Returning to work the next evening, the nurse asked about the old woman. Oh, well, she died early this morning. You should have seen it. What? What happened? She was found in the morning, laying in bed. She choked to death. Her tongue was hanging way out of her mouth, and it was covered with some black, nasty, smelly substance. My God, I wonder what happened to her. Didn't you know? She used to practice witchcraft. She was into very evil things. hear a bump in the night and you think it just might be a ghost contact the Laredo Paranormal Research Society at Laredo Paranormal at hotmail.com that's the LPRS for all your otherworldly needs You're listening to Strange Things with Chris James. And welcome back to the show. If you hadn't figured it out by now, these commercial breaks are a means for me to take a pause and drink some coffee. Otherwise, you'd hear all kinds of slurping and digestive sounds on the radio, and I don't think you want to listen to that. If you do, this is the wrong show to be listening to. The Cheyenne and the Arapaho have a legend of a tribe of cannibals that used to cause them all kinds of grief. These cannibals were enormously strong and very fast as well. They were able to outrun any human. And they were about three feet tall. 
Anyone they killed was taken back as dinner. Any captives had a very lousy future. The tiny cannibals had very sharp teeth and they used them on their captives. The only bright note involving these little killers was what they had in strength and speed they lacked in brain power. On a few occasions, the man taken for dinner would outwit them and kill the captives before escaping and heading back home. The short monsters were hard to kill because they would take their hearts out and hang them on the wall before venturing out to hunt. If you could get to the hearts without having to deal with the owners, you stood a good chance of being victorious. <clears throat> In and around the Great Lakes is a legend of a horned serpent. It was big enough to be able to swallow a man in one bite. According to the Creek Indians, the story goes, the serpent started out life as a man. He used powerful medicine to transform himself into the snake so he could seek revenge on those that had wronged him. Once the transformation was complete and his enemies were all dead, the serpent decided to stay in its new form. It was quite pleased with the power it could weld. If you've ever heard the saying, as long as the creek don't rise, it had nothing to do with water. It meant as long as the creek Indians didn't attack. Now you know why they say things like that. The single serpent story grew into there being many water snakes all around the Great Lakes area. Men wishing to prove their manliness would seek out one of these creatures and do battle with it. The snake was as big around as a tree trunk. It was covered in very sturdy scales that nothing could penetrate. The snake had huge horns on its head. Between the eyes was a bright blaze that glowed in the dark. The scales were colored brightly, and they would give off sparks if anything were to hit them. The only way to kill the giant snake was to stab it right in the seventh spot away from the head. This was where the heart was located. If victorious, the warriors were held in high esteem. If they weren't victorious, well, they're never seen or heard from again. The Sioux legend says the horned serpents were around for thousands of years. They were feared by everyone and nobody could, get, could defeat them. The Thunderbird were far bigger and stronger. The Thunderbird chased down and ate all of the giant serpents, leaving only the smaller unhorned snakes behind. This is supposed to be why there are no horned serpents left today. Many tribes living around large bodies of water had similar legends. Giant water snakes with horns or antlers that would eat anybody foolish enough to go in the water. Sometimes these snakes would come out on land in order to pursue people for dinner. A spearfinger, or utlunta, is a Cherokee legend that was told amongst tribes living in eastern Tennessee and western parts of North Carolina. Utlunta translates from Cherokee to 
she had it sharp, it being the finger of her right hand. Some called her stone dress because her skin was rough like stone. A spear finger could take on the resemblance of anyone in order to gain their trust. If a man saw her, she would appear as a beautiful young woman. She would tell the man she was looking for berries or fruit. She would manipulate her prey into thinking she was just some defenseless young girl, right up to the point she would shove her finger into the victim's brain, killing him instantly. She would remove the heart, and especially the liver. This was her favorite food source. If her intended meal was a young child, she could take on the looks and mannerisms of an adult the child knew, a grandmother or grandfather. She would gain the trust of the child so she could get close enough to strike. Children were preferred source of food because they were tastier. Since her skin was made from stone, no arrow or knife could pierce her. She was very strong, and she could lift huge boulders over her head. She was also able to fuse rocks together to make things like her bridge that rose high in the air. Her bridge was destroyed by the higher beings because she was getting too close to their world. The location of this destroyed bridge is in Blount County, Tennessee, which is right next door to Sevierville, which we talked about last week. Sevierville is where the Wheatland Plantation is located, where there have been over 70 murders. Stone Man was her adversary. They were related, but they both hunted the same food, human liver. They would taunt each other about who could get the most food to eat. Well, the Cherokee were paying the ultimate price for these two killers. Each day, the tribe lost members to their competition. The tribes called for a council in order to come up with a solution. The medicine men all agreed. The only way to defeat Spearfinger was to entice her to attack them and then lure her into a trap. During the fall, the Indians would set fire to the leaves, so chestnuts would be roasted and they would be easy to harvest. The men set fire to the leaves, hoping the smoke would attract Spearfinger. She smelled the smoke and came running, thinking she might kill a few dozen people for dinner. As she approached, she fell into a pit that the men had dug. She was unhurt by the fall, but now she was trapped in the hole. The Indians began firing arrows at her until a few arrows managed to strike her wrist, right next to her stone finger. This was her Achilles heel, as it were. If you don't know about Achilles, he was a Greek hero from the Trojan Wars. When Achilles was born, his mother, Thetis, tried to make him invincible by dipping him in the river Styx. She held him by the ankles and plunged him under the water. Only his heels were not dunked. So from then on, Achilles was impervious to arrows or swords, but his weak point was his ankles, 
This is why a person of great strength or stature is said to have an Achilles heel as being their weak spot. When Spearfinger's right hand fell to the bottom of the pit, she became solid stone. The stone man saw what had happened and he decided it was best to move to a new location, some place where the locals didn't know how to defeat him. Your liver should be happy that Spearfinger is long gone, as well as Stone Man. The Sioux and the Omaha Indians have a shared legend. It's not that big of a stretch. The Sioux, Dakota or Lakota, lived in the area now known as the Dakotas, and the Omaha lived around the Nebraska area, which is just to the south. They both talk about Two-Face. A Two-Face was a monster with two faces. One that looked normal and was pleasant to behold. The other was hideous, and that didn't scare you to death. This creature would stab you with its sharp pointy elbows, which gave it another name, Sharp Elbows. This monster preyed on women and children, mostly. It would approach the intended victim, looking like any man from the area. Once he was right up close, he would show his other face. If the subject of his evil plans didn't die of fright, he would begin swinging his elbows up and down, hacking into the person with his unusual weapons. This two-face sounds an awful lot like the Roman god Janus. Janus had two faces as well. He faced forwards and backwards at the same time. There are no evil machinations credited to Janus. The month of January may have been named for him, depending on which article you read. The Sioux in the Omaha legend says if you accidentally make eye contact with the feared, the rear-facing face, you'll become paralyzed with fear. Then Two-Face will come back and kill you when he gets a chance. Some tribes say Two-Face is a woman instead of a man. She's basically the same in all, all aspects except for gender. One thing Two-Face is blamed for, the, the female Two-Face is blamed for, is night terrors and children's nightmares. The twin heroes, or god boys, lost their mother to Two-Face. This nasty monster killed their mother while she was still carrying the twins. He then removed the two boys forcefully. One boy he left where his father would find him, and the other was hidden away to be raised by wild animals. After many years, the twins found each other. They joined forces and went monster hunting after that. A Two-Face also liked to torture his captives before killing them and eating their remains. In and around Maine, the tribes used to tell about a bear that couldn't bend its legs. It had to lean against a tree when it slept because if it were to lay down, it couldn't get back up on its feet. The bear was covered in coarse, ragged hair that stuck out in clumps. It had huge teeth, long enough to pierce several men at one time, and it liked people for food. 
Some researchers say the stiff-legged bear was actually a mastodon. Except mastodon didn't eat people. There's a lot of evidence of people eating mastodon. There are pictographs of hunting parties attacking mastodon found in caves all across the country. How could a group of people that hunted and ate ancient elephants mistake them for giant bear that ate people? The stiff-legged bear was considered to be something you didn't want to encounter while out hunting. They seemed to die out or vanish back in ancient times. The story only lived on through oral tradition. The stick people, or stick Indians, is a confusing subject depending on the tribe or the region the stories were told. To some, the stick Indians were simply a tribe of tiny humans living off by themselves. Other tribes tell of a race of giants that looked like Sasquatch, only they were far more dangerous. The story goes these giant hair-covered creatures lived out in the woods. They would sneak up on anybody walking through the trees by themselves and kill them. The body was then eaten. If the stick Indians had enough food already, it might cause the victim to go insane. A stick Indians could also paralyze or hypnotize those it encountered. And with that, it's time for another break so I can get some more coffee in me. Don't go away, I'll be right back after these important messages. You're listening to Arkanasa Radio. Makeup isn't something you want to just smear on and hope for the best. You might come out looking like Lon Chaney. Call Lourdes James, independent beauty consultant, and get a free makeover to see how makeup should be done. 956-723-3019. Back in 1776, someone said, Give me coffee or give me death. And if that's how you feel, you should be at the Organic Man Coffee Trike. They make coffee the right way, one delicious cup at a time. 4501 McPherson, Suite Number 9. Coffee, the stuff dreams are made of. you go out UFO hunting and couldn't focus on the sky, swing on by Del Norte Optical, 107 Calle Del Norte, right across from the Embassy Suites. That's not a weather balloon, that's a flying saucer. (coughs) This is Arkanasa Radio you've been listening to. And welcome back. We were talking about the Stick Indians. Late at night, the Stick Indians would walk into the village looking for food. They would shove a stick in under the edge of a teepee. 
If a woman or a child screamed, the stick Indians would grab them, throw that person into a wicker basket tied across their shoulders, and take the captive back to the stick Indian's home. Once there, the captive would either be made into a slave or used for food, depending on the wishes of the stick Indians. Should there be a man inside the teepee and he were to say something, the stick Indians would leave, not wanting to have to fight anyone. It sounds as if their powers to paralyze and hypnotize only worked in the light. Perhaps you needed to see or look into their eyes to become controlled by the stick Indians. A cannibalistic Bigfoot that hunts humans for food. This makes Bigfoot hunting an altogether more exciting endeavor. Should you be camping out in the woods and somebody shoves a stick in under the flap of the tent, try to sound big and aggressive. Well-armed might help out as well. Did you happen to see the movie Willow Creek? And don't forget to stop by the MajesticalCryptid.net for your cryptozoological needs. The last legend I'll go over is the Thunderbird. This giant bird was sometimes a benevolent creature and sometimes it was an angry, vengeful being. The reason I kept it for the end is the legend is still being seen, flying about the countryside, and it's been implicated in a few disappearances. In Algonquin legends, the Thunderbird controlled the upper world, and the underworld was controlled by the horned serpent. When the Thunderbird flapped its wings, this caused wind and thunder. The Menominee Indians had a similar story. The Thunderbird lived on a giant floating mountain. The Lakota believed the Thunderbird would bring the spring rains that would nourish the land, but it also brought savage thunderstorms that would wash away entire villages. Windstorms and tornadoes were caused by the Thunderbirds. A story from the Pacific Northwest goes, One day, a hunter found a whale laying dead far from the ocean. A Thunderbird had been carrying it back to its lair, but the whale was too heavy, so the bird had dropped it. The hunter called all of his friends to come so they could divide up the meat. As the Indians were working to cut up the whale, the Thunderbird returned. It caused a hailstorm to come and kill everyone. The bodies of the tribe were turned into stone. The Thunderbird legends were all over the North American continent. Just about every tribe had some form of giant bird that they connected with the weather. Not all the giant birds were big enough to carry a whale, and some preyed on humans instead. 1868, a schoolteacher reported losing one of his children to a giant eagle that swooped down from above, snatched an eight-year-old boy in its talons, and flew away. The townspeople turned out to look for the boy. They found him lying on the ground a few miles from the school. He was injured by his fall and had puncture wounds on both shoulders from the enormous claws. The boy died the next day. 1890, 
two Arizona cowboys spotted a giant bird circling in the sky. Thinking it just might attack, they decided to shoot first. They managed to bring down this giant flying creature. Once on the ground, the two men described the monster as, having in, as not having any feathers. It was covered in dark skin, like a bat. The head looked more like an alligator. It had huge teeth that stuck out in all directions. The two men drugged the dead thing back to their camp. From there, the bird was taken into town, where a photographer took some photos. You can search for the images, and they look just a little bit off. The head looks more like a bird's head, or pterodactyl, than an alligator. For having been drugged across the ground and not being preserved in anything, it looks too good. Maybe the story is true, but the photos are not. Or did somebody hear the story and create the images later? Had this been the only story, it would have been suspicious. There have been hundreds of giant bird sightings over the years. Near Owl Mountain in West Virginia, a report comes from 1895. A young girl was running errands during the winter. She walked out across the snowy field, but never made it to the other side. When she failed to arrive home, a search was started. The searchers followed the young girl's tracks out into the field. The tracks suddenly stopped. There were no other signs of anyone or anything coming to the last footprint. It looked as if she'd been lifted up into the sky. But by what? The very next day, a farmer discovered one of his sheep was missing from its pen. The roof had been torn open and the sheep taken away into the sky. Then, a hunter was attacked the next week by a huge bird. It swooped down on him and was trying to lift the man into the sky. His dog came to the rescue. The dog attacked the bird but wound up becoming the victim instead. The hunter could only watch as his dog was carried away by the giant bird. He tried to get off a shot but was too unsteady and shook up by the whole thing in order to aim properly. People report seeing a giant bird flying through the Ohio Valley for years. The bird was described as being about 6 to 7 feet tall with a wingspan about 25 feet. This giant was seen carrying away all manner of animals and once or twice what looked like children. Point Pleasant, West Virginia, 1966. The original Mothman sightings had been described as being a giant bird. It stood taller than a man and its wings stretched from one side of the road to the other. If not for the editor of the Gallipolis newspaper, we would have been calling it the Big Bird instead of the Mothman. 1977, Illinois attack became a world-famous incident when cryptozoologist Jerry Coleman, the brother of Lorne Coleman, the owner of the Cryptozoology Museum, was the first investigator on the scene. 
A ten-year-old boy was playing in his yard when a giant bird, possibly an eagle, grabbed him by the shirt and tried to carry the boy away. The boy gave out a scream that brought his mother running. The boy was being half-carried, half-drug across the front lawn when the mother arrived, broom in hand, and went on the attack. Nothing like a pissed-off mother with a broom to get your attention. She hit the bird a few times in an effort to save her child from being bird food. The bird finally released its prey and flew away. This has become one of the best-known cases of a giant bird attack. You can read more about it by searching Lawndale, Illinois, Giant Bird Attack. In 2013, in Iowa, a man saw a giant bird flying up into the clouds. It had been sitting on the ground in a cornfield. When the man stopped his car, the bird took off, flapping its wings and getting up off the ground and into the air. It was ungainly and had to work at getting elevation. The man didn't want to report the sighting, but when he heard others talking about the giant bird in the area, he came forward with his story. If you look up into the sky and you see a bird, it's near impossible to judge the size. Unless there's something nearby that you can compare it to. You just have to take a guess. If this giant was to land or fly right over someone's head, you then will be able to say it was as big or bigger than whoever or whatever it came close to. And keep your eyes open, and don't hesitate to report any weird or bizarre sightings you might have. One report will probably go unnoticed, but more reports come in and it will give the sightings more credit. If you're not sure how, who to report it to, send the sightings to me at strangethings at arcanasa.com. I can give you an idea as to who you might want to forward it to from there. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Tell your friends to check us out. You can find the archives at strangethings.podomatic.com or on YouTube. But you have to type out the whole thing. Strange Things with Chris James. Otherwise, you wind up with that TV show. I had the name first. Well, by a whole two months. The first show of Strange Things was in May 2016. And the TV show came out in July of 2016. So, I actually did have it first. Till next week, this is Chris James. Are you, are you coming to the tree with a strong upper man? This ain't murder three. Strange things did happen here, no stranger would it be if we met at midnight in the hanging tree.